What's going on, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here with another episode of Kicking Back, the podcast brought to you by The Equalizer and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. This week, I am joined by Sandra Herrera, who I'm sure you know from covering NWSL and all things women's soccer. If you listen to this podcast, I'm sure you're familiar with Sandra. Excited to talk to her on this podcast. We talk about her work with CBS, her work locally in Chicago with Southside Trap, and we talk a lot as well about Liga MX Femenil, some players to watch in Mexico and the state of the game in Mexico, national team and club situation, and and even talk a little bit about, uh, we need to be seeing more of Liga MX represented in some of these world competitions. So uh, a fun fun podcast about that, Uh, a little bit of everything sprinkled in between the the state of media in women's soccer and just some fun chats about, about where things are in the NWSL right now. So excited to bring you this. As always, please go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a thing, don't miss a future episode and hopefully you haven't missed any of our great episodes if you have go back and listen and please go ahead and rate and review this pod it helps us reach more people and helps for visibility so this is sandra herrera cbs sports Southside trap pod a little bit of everything fun conversation about a little bit of everything and another episode of kicking back excited to bring it to you and hope you enjoy Welcome to another episode of Kicking Back, everybody. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, as always, and joined this week by colleague Sandra Herrera of CBS, Southside Trap. Where else? You're everywhere. I'm all over, man. <laughs> but I'm excited to sit down and, and just chat and hang with you. And, you know, yeah. COVID and the pandemic has pumped the brakes on so many already limited opportunities for us to hang out. And we're so used to, I know so many of us and our colleagues are always so used to at least having a couple events where we can cross paths and I miss you, man. So it's good to, it's good to hang out. <laughs> good to see you. You, uh, you're back. You got to a few games already, right? In Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been nice. It's been a journey because you know, those fall series games, there were a couple that we were able to attend. Um, and then now with this, the regular season is back and there's a couple that have already taken place over at SeatGeek and, um, one, with fans so that was also very very new and very interesting it's been it feels nice a long time it sort of felt like yeah we had sports right we had a return to play with so many different different sports and professional leagues throughout the country um but soccer is such a a sport that uh, is connected to its respective supporters culture and fan bases that even though it made this return to play it still maybe didn't feel real (laughs) like without having that type of noise or having that type of component in the stands and i know chicago just being the city that it is a huge uh, metro place um it took a while for there to be fans in any type of uh, sporting arena or event um so having fans being allowed back in the into bridgeview into seat geek has definitely made game days uh, a lot brighter yeah, I still haven't been back to a stadium yet since uh, I was down at She Believes 2020. I actually remember now mm-hmm. I was doing like in-person interviews and I remember I was doing some interviews and there were people who had like a little cold. Mm-hmm. And like at that point, it was still like, don't worry, it's not COVID. That's what I think I heard mm-hmm. that from two different people. Uh, um, and that was like a week before. I don't think anybody would be saying that <laughs> at that yeah. point. It's a, kind of a wild uh, change, but I'm looking forward to two, three weeks from now, finally going back to a game here in Hartford. So, um, was it weird? Was it weird at all? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. There's always that component of like, um, what, what's it going to feel like, or what's it going to be like? I mean, just because we always have to go through, we have to go through these protocols for, you know, safety purposes before, before the game. Um, and there's also like those early or early matches that, we were attending during the fall series. So in the middle of 2020, we're talking like height of pandemic. Um, there was still like much stricter protocols in place. There's still protocols in place, but obviously they're loose considering where we are in the latter part of this pandemic. So even going from there to now, there were still just all these weird feelings about it where it's just like, you're so used to engaging with people in a certain way, even if it is just, in a press box with your colleagues, you're used to engaging in a certain way. You're used to um, 
maybe reaching out to a colleague be like, oh, like, uh, did you see this game note or did you see this, you know, in this minute, this player, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Or even just your um, connections with uh, anybody who is like, a, you know, comms or like team liaisons, uh, any front office folks who are there also in the press box to do their job, but also work with media and having different barriers there and doing everything virtually. So a lot of cool stuff I think has come out of this and the media side of stuff when it comes to whether it's game day or not. Um, I think there's been uh, a big effort to ensure that there's still like access and coverage in terms of this, you know, this virtual world that we've all been living in a long time. Um, but even sort of seeing it bridge together on, on actual physical game days has been an interesting process and it's ongoing. It's ever, yeah. it's, it's, it's been evolving. It's I'm talking about games that were in, in 2020 fall series to now and they're still uh they're still evolving and still changing so i think um you know hopefully we'll start seeing uh, a little bit of, of things kind of maybe go back to where we were used to operating um on game days and stuff like that maybe getting coverage and content that people were used to to seeing you know um but that's all got to come in due time. It's got to, it's got to all take its uh, due process. I was going to say add players to that list. I mean, you know, we're so used to kind of relationship building with just, uh, you know, even a, a post game, like, Hey, you know, what, what happened there? What's up this, that, and yeah. you know, you, you're good at that. And you, you're good at, you know, you've got those relationships with Chicago players, especially being in that market. And, mm. you know, you've been looking at them on zoom for yeah. a year and a half. So that's got to be, you know, a different, it's got to, I don't know, we're all navigating. It's just, it makes coverage a little bit different. <laughs> you feel like you've got to kind of ask an extra question on Zoom just to remind somebody that you've not disappeared or something. It's, yeah. it's a funny world, but um, well, let's, we, we want to talk a bunch of things. Um, let's start, you know, on the, the CBS front because we got CBS, NWSL, we, we've got two big games on a big CBS, as I like to call yeah. it. Um, national TV games this weekend. We got Rain versus Courage on Saturday at four, and then uh, Portland and Kansas City the next day. And it's like a, it's like a full women's sports weekend on on the CBS networks, which is is cool. Hopefully, one of every to come. But uh, um, so if you're looking for Sandra's work, I'm gonna give you the shout out here because you've got a handy URL. It's just cbssports.com/writers. <laughs> slash Sandra dash Herrera. So you could just find everything. Um, what's it, what's it been like? I mean, that's gotta be cool. You got, you know, writing for the writing for the rights holders and, and covering it, seeing the coverage at a huge scale like this, it's gotta be cool. And I know you're working on some, some projects too. Yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been quite the journey. I, you know, as you're talking about it, I'm like, Oh man, like it's, it's going to be a year that I'm coming up that uh, with, with CBS. I think I came, I think I came on board with them um at my very first day with CBS, oh my god my very first day with cbs was actually on my birthday so my birthday's in june so i'm like thinking about it now so it's actually coming coming up on that and it's just um yeah it's it's both like an honor and a privilege and a, and a blessing to be able to sort of be um in this in this position um to be able to provide coverage of of women's soccer in general and, and specifically the league is is rights holders um we're talking a lot about evolving things and moving parts and changing parts. And then that's also been, I think that, you know, I can also say that it's also been true of us over at, uh, at CBS. I mean, there's a lot of things that we've had to adjust to in regards to the sport, the league and the pandemic um, challenge cup looked a certain kind of way. Uh, you know, I think we all thought that for a period of time there, that was going to be the only uh NWSL soccer that we were going to have in 2020. And then we got a little bit <laughs> extra in, in fall series and the off season and leading all the way up in, into now the regular season, having things like, um, you know, covering all sorts of moves. We know how busy the off season can get sometimes for some of these teams. And really we also know how sometimes there can be really a lull in, in news or action during, during the off season, but, but covering that type of stuff, the expansion draft with racing, uh, you know, the NWSL draft and how, how so many things were changing there again, because again, because of the pandemic, having to sort of get adjusted to, to the new, to the new rules that were coming into place all the way 
to this very, very long preseason and then now into the regular season. It's been um, it's been exciting to cover all this stuff. And I, I couldn't wait for us to finally get into a regular season because this is finally the opportunity for the league and CBS to go embark on a on a regular season journey together because this this partnership was announced uh, you know, over a year ago with the broadcast rights deal between CBS and NWSL. And then everything kind of hit the brakes with, with COVID. So now this is like really the first actual regular season that both parties are able to sort of walk this path together. And uh, it's, it's been a blast. I'm really excited for this weekend. I, I mean, writing up um, some of our previews for, for the matches just this weekend coming off of this international break, I, I loved being able to see that there were going to be not one, but two matches on big TV network, CBS, um, and not, you know, Paramount plus or, or CBS sports network with pe- which people have a lot of feelings about. And, and, with, and all under- due respect. <laughs> with all due respect, understandably. So I get it. I get it. Um, but, uh, I, I had a similar reaction, I think during the challenge cup final, where I think it, we were watching, you know, Portland and, and Gotham going head to head for this second, you know, challenge cup. And, and that match was on, on big CBS as well. And I just had a moment where I just, you know, you want to take a moment to recognize your wins because it's not often, I think when you're on the women's side of the ball, where you see a lot of, see a lot of wins. And there was just this moment I had where I was just like, oh my God, man, like we were like really watching end up like an NWSL championship event on big network CBS yeah. in 2021. And it's just so wild and crazy to think about where this league was in its inaugural season in 2013. And even just sort of recognizing where it was sort of post 2015 World Cup bump, you know, because we've heard so much about that as media covering this space, that bump, right? That wave of momentum that comes from a cycle, right? That um, everybody always wants to talk about capturing and writing. Um, But we've been through a couple of those waves already, whether, you know, it was the inaugural season, 2015, 2019, and now. So, yeah, I definitely had like a moment during that final where I was kind of like, wow, this is is really nice. It's nice to live in this universe. This is the universe where I want to stay. And hopefully we all can sort of stay for a little while where, where you can find an NWSL game on big network CBS. Um, and we're going to get two of them this weekend. So I'm, I'm super excited about that and um, looking forward to, to adding all different sorts of components uh, to, to the coverage. You know, everybody, we hear so much about how, you know, women's sports is only accounted for 4% of, you know, you know, coverage in, in mainstream outlets and stuff like that. And, um, you know, those of us in the media landscape are trying our best to change that, whether it's, you know, at an independent level, like with EQZ, you know, or bigger, bigger outlets like, uh, like CBS sports. So, um, it's, it's going to take everybody. It's going to take everybody, but, uh, it's a, I'd rather be in this, this moment in time where we are right now than where we were even prior you know, to, to that previous world cup bump. Yeah, for sure. No, that, that's a good, uh, I, I need that reminder. I think live in the moment I got to, uh, sometimes you do get kind of caught up in things and, um, I need to remind myself that when we, when we're actually able to go places again, cause I, uh, I think places like going to the world cup, I, I didn't stop and smell the roses in France a little bit and, you know, explore a little bit. So maybe when we can do that again, uh, but that's like, that's, yeah, you got to celebrate the wins. And, and I think there have been more, I think, you know, like you said, 2015, um, didn't quite get captured, bottled, whatever you want to say 2019, you know, it's still, it's been a weird couple of years since obviously, but I think it's, you know, it's a different kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, you know, what can people, uh, look forward to maybe on the CBS front that, that you're working on? I know, you know, we've, we can, uh, We've seen some different things on the the writing front, but yeah. maybe uh, we got something else to tease. Uh, I'm hearing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, every we're always looking for for ways to expand coverage on the site outside of just you know the typical stuff that that the casual fan wants to find. 
and um, you know, watch this space, you know, because <laughs> we're because you know, CBS is also going to be getting into the podcast game for when it comes to women's soccer. So uh myself and uh, Lisa Roman of, of CBS are are going to be uh, partnering up to to bring fans uh you know a multi episode you know a multi week uh, multi week yeah a multi episode week of shows you know for this podcast so uh you know we're going to be called uh, attack third so that's breaking news you're going to hear that here first mm-hmm. and um we're 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 excited about it um you know it's uh we're going to, I think that we're going to stand out a little bit just because we're going to be a little bit more frequent uh, with, with, with the episodes and stuff like that. Um, so I think uh, people can, can find all kinds of, you know, good stuff that they're used to hearing, whether it's, you know, analysis from, you know, recap of games or, or previewing of games, but we're also really excited about it because uh, we want to always have um, a third component to the show. Hence, hence it being uh, to being attacking third. So we're looking forward to having guests on in the future, whether it's players, current players, former players, future players, um, you know, same with coaches, coaches, that stuff like that. And of course, for me, I'm most excited to also have additional space to continue stuff like this, Jeff. So like having more of our colleagues on and getting to pick your guys's brains um, because uh, these are the conversations that I have the most fun with. So um, uh, we're, we're, we're TBD when it comes to, to an actual uh, launch date, but uh, you know, just continue to watch the space and uh, we'll be getting all those episodes to everyone shortly. Nice. Well, coming soon. That's, that's the, be on the lookout and um, Godspeed on the frequency. Yeah. That, that once a week can be a challenge sometimes. So yeah, um, that is definitely a, a good, good to hear. And, and I know um, not a, not a small task. So um <laughs> Well, let's, I mean, I want to talk coverage quickly too, you know, I mean, we're both on the the media association executive committee, which, you know, I guess the non-nerdy version for people listening is just like, we're trying to make a better space for media coverage of NWSL specifically, but really, you know, the sport, Um, you know, a little bit cliche, I guess, to to be general about it, but like the the coverage of the sport where it's at, um, we're talking about it a little bit here, like, what do you want to see? What's, what's, what's a big thing that's missing for you that oh, needs to change? <laughs> oh, my, fa- my favorite. <laughs> quest- this is like my favorite question, honestly. And I, I've noticed that I've gotten it a lot more as like, I, I've uh, gone from more independent spaces um, into a platform like, like CBS, but it's a good question. And I think it's a, re- it's a, I, it's a great question. I think for, again, this very transitional time, that we all feel like we're in when it comes to covering something like women's soccer. But I always answer this in the most polite way I can, (laughs) but what a big thing for me, for, for women's soccer media, the thing that I want to see and the thing that I think is lacking and the thing that I think we need more of is I'm a huge, (laughs) huge fan of chaos. I love when there's those crazy moments. I love when there's like a, you know, a lot of unpredictable things happening. Um, in women's soccer. Um, and I think there needs to be more, uh, more criticism. So there's two, there's, it's a two C's. So I want more chaos and I want more criticism <laughs> when it comes uh, to women's soccer, because, um, you know, not all criticism is bad. I think mm-hmm. people get worried or they get nervous when it comes to that type of, to that type of word, but, you know, a huge, you know, just even just sort of, centering it on myself as a, as a woman in this space. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to navigate uh, sports media in general. Right. But when we're looking at women's soccer media, there has uh, been a level there's, there's frequently a level of um, camaraderie and, and collaboration. Right. As, as I like to say, so uh, it, it, it already differs from maybe different media spaces in, in that way off right off the bat. Right. So I think sort of having that space and sort of having that culture sort of built into the women's soccer media space um, has maybe led to some moments of, uh, I don't want to say toxic positivity, but you don't ever want the coverage to look the same way. So while, while on one hand we can say there's always room for more, well, that's great and that's very true. But what is what is the coverage looking like? So is there is there how many um, 
different type of outlets or different type of pieces of content? Is it going to be about, you know, having the section of this is about, you know, empowering and this is about, you know, featuring, you know, the, the stories of, of players. And like, those are things that we want to continue to push and, 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 and tell the stories that we want to continue to tell. But then there's also this weird component where these stories that you're telling are about people who are professional athletes. <laughs> They're professional athletes who pay, play a sport. They play the sport of soccer. And sometimes when you're a professional athlete and you play a professional sport, uh, the, media, the media coverage around it looks like an analysis of the game and the sport. So sometimes when you're talking about that, um, you're talking about how it's uh, maybe not a, a good day at the office. And um, so I just, uh, I want to see more of that. And I'm, I'm excited. Part of what I'm really excited about with the, the podcast that we're going to have coming up with CBS is we want that to be a place. Um, we want that to be a space where we don't shy away from that. Um, because someone, because we're like right in the thick of a, of a season. So if we're going to be talking about these, these games and talking about performances, some of that's going to be, well, this wasn't a great game for, for player X, but it was a great game for player B. So I want to see more of that. And I'm a big, big fan of it. And I hope that we can um, continue to see it, not just in, um, you know, independent outlets, but bigger outlets as well. I know you and I, um, had a good chuckle, you know, off mic, you know, about maybe some, you know, some people who are new to like new to the space or maybe not too familiar. Or maybe sometimes you have a certain angle for a story you're going to, and you can only talk so much about how pretty a, a new stadium is before <laughs> maybe you want to talk about actual, before you want to talk about actual soccer, you know what I mean? And um, again, I'll just, just reemphasize as, as, as a woman in this space, I don't think I could be someone who constantly, um, wants to talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the betterment and the advancement of, 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 of women, um, you know, women of color, uh, marginalized peoples in general and so on and so forth. And I cannot ask for equity and equality and at the same time shy away from something like criticism. Um, so if I'm, if I want, you know, an equal or equitable field that includes all aspects of that spectrum and that includes, you know, uh, the good and the bad, you know, so I, I know for, for me, my people, people have no, people have zero problem adding me and letting me know that there was a typo or that something was wrong <laughs> in my yeah, work. Yeah. And you know what? Great. <laughs> like, fantastic let me let me flag my editors on that one for you you know yeah. and if that and if that's the case um there needs to to be room uh, to say that you know the back line on this day didn't have a good game yeah you know, so. yeah i mean i've i've said this before too I, I think it it's a good point i mean it's it hits on um i think the league probably the sport sometimes i say the league and the sport is kind of interchangeable but like the league's at kind of an adolescent stage where it wants to be cool. And I think, I mean, it is right. Yeah. But you can't, you know, some of what comes with rising to some celebrity status or some prominence is, you know, more people are covering you. Some of the uglier stuff maybe can come out, or maybe it's not even about the ugly stuff as much as you've got other opinions. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, you thought this was good, but here's why I don't think it is. And whether that's a player, whether that's a decision at a league level, bringing in, a team going with a sponsor, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think that there's that interesting catch 22 of um, growth and that's great, but you know, with it comes that criticism that you mentioned, I think, um, you know, I wonder how that gets navigated because I wonder from your perspective, you know, you, you've got kind of a, a double hit of um, not a double hit, but like you're dealing with, so you're, you're writing for a rights holder. So maybe that's mm -hmm. a factor, right. Mm -hmm. in, in terms of what you might say or where you might, how far you might take it. And then, you know, I wonder from a player perspective too, cause you have those relationships. I mean, mm -hmm. I've found that a lot of players get it quote unquote, maybe the veterans, especially. Um, but obviously, I mean, we're humans, right. Yeah. Some players you say, Hey, she was bad that day, you know, objectively like that mm -hmm. she had a bad game. And, you know, I think recently we've seen some, some interaction back and forth of like, Hey, why is this, this is not lifting up the game or whatever it might be. And so I guess I wonder what have you seen from the reaction 
maybe league team level and even player level of like trying to balance that. I'm criticizing you, but here's where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great and totally valid and fair, fair question. Um, you know, I, I'll, man, I'll, uh, I'll put myself on blast and say that maybe I'm a little <laughs> spoiled. Maybe I'm a little spoiled, Jeff. I really think so because, you know, I got into this space, um, you know, very fortunate enough to be in a market that has an NWSL team. So being local to Chicago, my, my intro to the media space and covering, covering the sport was via the red stars. So it's like, here's a team in my market um, that I can go and cover and by extension, uh, cover the visiting team and cover different players, not just, you know, the Chicago Red Stars players, but, um, and I don't know if this is just like, maybe just sort of part of like, um, Chicago's like, uh, you know, kind of Red Stars culture, but there have been plenty of moments in the past, uh, covering this team where you're face to face with a player, you know, in a mix on and they're coming off of a loss, you know, and, um, you know, you're, you're upset about that. They're human, they're human beings, you know, right. no one likes to lose. Um, but it's almost like, you know, you, you, you have a conversation with a player post game that you've been, uh, you know, covering for so long uh, that maybe I've, I've just been sort of, I've never sort of been hit with the, like the, the blow off or sort of like, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Like it's just very rarely has there been a moment where like, um, you know, like a, like a Danny Colaprico or a, or a Casey short coming through the mix zone on a bad game and you grab them and you're just like, Hey, can, can we talk a little bit about that performance tonight? It's not a great result for the team. What do you think? Um, and they'll be the first ones to say that was not good. This was <laughs> unacceptable, you know? So I don't know if it's just like, um, you know, the, the, the athletes that we cover, if they're just sort of maybe built different or just sort of built kind of a different kind of way. It's all, it's funny for me sometimes when I see some reaction in like men's professional sports way where maybe they kind of like, maybe they might lash out, you know, being upset at a loss, you know, and they're maybe they lash out at a question like that. Um, but it's been, I, I think it's been opposite for us when it comes to the women's side of the game. It might, it might not be a lengthy answer, you know, it, it might not be a super in-depth answer immediately post-game reaction, but it's uh, there's definitely like acknowledgement of, of a loss and a poor performance and um, and the, the aspect of wanting to like grow from that and, and move on. Um, you know, I will I will say that, uh, you know, I, I'm not a pro athlete, you know, um, I imagine that it's, it's very, very difficult, you know, to sort of navigate that space and say that this is how I'm going to make my livelihood with so many eyes on me, you know, beyond just my coaches and my teammates, you know, but, but fans of the sport and the media who cover it. Um, so I, I absolutely uh, agree, you know, that one's mental health, um, should be their, their priority, you know, first, first and foremost. And, um, you know, if athletes, or even media, I'm including media in this, you know, there's some days that we don't want to be on camera, Jeff, you know, we don't, we don't want to, we're people too, shockingly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so the mental health aspect for me really absolutely does come first. Um, you know, but if, if everyone is in a good mental space, just sort of understanding that ultimately that that's, that that's part of, uh, that's part of the, the job that comes, that comes with, the job. I thought it was a very, a very sincere and very, uh, very cool moment the other night when we were all covering the United States women's national team game. And it was just very, very, very late. And I think we got Kristen press later in, in the match and she took note of the time and she went, Ooh, thanks guys. You know, and let, cause it's like, they know, they know it's a late, it's a late night. Everybody's got, everybody's got jobs to do when it comes to this space. And sometimes ours you know, goes a little bit later than, than that final whistle, you know, <laughs> a lot so, later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot later. Yeah. Well, let's be real. Right. Let's be frank on this uh, kicking back. <laughs> um, yes. But, um, you know, I, I, um, I think there's always room uh, and opportunity for us to continue to grow the media space here and how we want it to look. There's, there's room for us to, uh, to have all that. Like we talk about, yes, we want more, we want the more coverage. We want the more outlets and we want, you know, we also that in saying that we also want room for 
for the fun stories, for the empowering stories, for uh, for the even the heartbreaking stories. If if, if athletes want to share those with us, you know, mm-hmm. or the very happy moments and the celebrations and and the chaos and the criticism, you know, let's 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 make room for for all of it. Do you have a story or a podcast? And we should shout out to you know you mentioned that pod, the forthcoming one, Southside Trap. You mentioned mm-hmm. Chicago and and you coming up through the the Chicago market. So so folks check that out too on. Uh, Patreon there and, and support that. Um, do you have a story or pod that, that you've really been especially proud of, whether recent or, you know, dipping into the memory bank a little bit? Oh man, you know, covering, covering challenge cup in 2020 was, um, it was tough. <laughs> I'll just say it like that. It was, it was tough. I, uh, I, uh, got brought on to CBS, um, and with everything going on, um, I did not go out to Utah and experience what the players uh, experience. And so much of what I was covering or how, how, how much of me sort of trying to connect with them or, or interview certain players either took place over the phone or, you know, via, um, you know, virtual zooms uh, like this. And um, we heard a lot, even before I think we actually started asking the questions, Jeff, about the mental side of it because we started to, to see it, I think, before we started to finally ask the questions because coaches had started maybe kind of alluding to it a little mm-hmm. bit, how tough that was. Um, but, and, and maybe this is a little bit of a cop-out because it's kind of a vague answer, but I just want to say like everything that came out of the 2020 Challenge Cup is something that I'm, that I'm proud of. Um, you know, I tried my best, you know, to... Um, you know, deliver a ton of content around that as much as much as I could as one as one person for for a network uh, could. Um, but getting able to to talk to uh, you know players like you know who were really just sort of making names for themselves, whether somebody like a, a Sabrina Flores, you know, or or what, getting to to chat with with Rachel Daly, you know, ahead of the Challenge Cup final, um, talking to Mitch Purse, um, talking to Sarah Gordon doing features on them in light of everything that was happening outside of the pandemic. Um, you know, breaking, we broke news at, at CBS when it came to the, you know, the black women's, uh, player, uh, collective, um, at the time it was being referred to as like a small coalition and, and Mitch Purse and Sarah Gordon, uh, you know, shared that. And it was something that it came out of, uh, out of a need to support, you know, each other. And uh, it was, again, and I say this a lot because I'm not, you know, I'm not, because uh, I mean it and I'm not kind of beating around the bush about it, but it really is an honor and a, and a privilege to sort of be in those, those moments and those positions to be able to, to have those conversations uh, with, with players and talking about those kinds of things. Um, so anything that, that came out of the 2020 Challenge Cup uh, for CBS is always going to be memorable for me. But I'm incredibly proud of of all the work that I do with with my co-host and and my friend Claire Watkins at Southside Trap. Um, you know, we've been we've been doing a, a Chicago wrestler specific podcast since since 2018, and talk about adapting on the fly. Like we've had to make some some real changes from where we started to where we are now. The pandemic also forces you to take a look at some things when you're running. Uh, a, a type of independent outlet, you know, Jeff, you know that better than, than anybody. Um, but being able to um, have the relationships that we have and be able to tell the, write the stories that we write, do the coverage that we do and, you know, engage with the players who come on uh, to the show. It's, it's, it's great. It's always fantastic. And, and, and it, I think it shows in the work, it comes through in the work. I mean, I remember when, um, you know, sort of post challenge cup and pre fall series where Claire and I got to sit down and speak with, you know, Khalil Watt and just sort of hearing her reaction to things as well. It's almost like she was almost also reacting to us in our work. She was like, Oh, I, yes, I've heard about you you guys. And I'm so excited to sit and talk with you. Um, You know, because players, you know, they recognize that Um, they know that they, they know who is um, actively covering the league covering the sport and, and putting in the work. So, um, yeah, I think any, any of that stuff, any of that stuff is yeah. I'm most proud of. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, to Claire there, who's 
also editing this this pod so <laughs> um and hosting hosting our main equalizer so she's she's everywhere on yep. on audio and and elsewhere so um uh, you know i wanted to talk about the season itself maybe this season a little bit we've been talking a little bit about last year but um you know something that you wrote recently which i think you said was or wrote was going to be a regular feature the player index the buzz mm-hmm. you know who's buzzing whether it's yep. good bad or indifferent um yep. Maybe just along those lines, like what has stood out for you so far? I mean, we've got Orlando at the top of the table. I feel like I'm in a some kind of voodoo world saying that from what 2019 yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Chicago struggled early, got back on track, um, which, you know, Rory was telling us we're fine. I will admit, I don't know if I fully believed him. I know it's still early, though. It's still yeah. early. Um, but, you know, player, team storyline we got some expansion teams finally i guess like what's jumping out to you a couple months into the season that that is is hot right now that people have to know right now player team whatever i am i think it's hard to not look at orlando right now and see what they're doing and wonder if they're going to stick around for the whole season i think there's a lot of discussion about you know how it is very early you know, we're in the, I love, I'm a big basketball head. So I'm in, you know, we're in the first okay. period, we're in the first quarter of games, you know, for NWSL. It's 24 games. Some of these, there's only, I think some teams have only played five games, some four, right? So their teams haven't even hit six matches yet under the belt when it comes uh, to this season. So you can't necessarily lock up, you know, <laughs> or, or lose a regular season in these early games, like, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. Right. But what you can do is you can set, maybe set yourself up for some success throughout, throughout the, the season, especially in a season that has a huge global event, whether it's like a world cup or an Olympics. Right. So Orlando <laughs> is a team that we can probably safely assume will be missing some players. Um, during Olympics and NWSL is not taking a break uh, during the summer for the Olympics. Um, So in the event that let's say maybe it is a huge impact and Orlando perhaps finds themselves not being as dominant during this world cup stretch, guess what? They bought themselves a little bit of time to flounder a little bit during the summer before maybe those other pieces come back. And that's what you can do for yourself as a club in these early parts of a regular season where there is a big uh, uh, global event. So I think it's, it's very exciting to see what's going on with Orlando. It's also exciting because this team has been struggling the last several seasons. Who doesn't love um, that type of storyline? But I, I think also circling teams like North Carolina, right? Circling teams like Chicago, teams that have typically been in, in what are, you know, the, the top of the table, teams that we consider elite teams in NWSL. When, when you think of like, oh, like what's a top tier club or what's an elite club in NWSL for a long time, you circled three teams and it was like North Carolina, Portland, and Chicago in some aspect. It's like, these are teams who have constantly, um, you know, been in the conversation of the top of the table competing, you know, for hardware. And I think watching them and their off seasons and then coming into this regular season and sort of having the starts that they've had, they've had some pretty inconsistent starts. I'm not going to say that they've been bad to start this regular season because you've got, you know, North Carolina putting up five goals on a team in one game. And then you've got Chicago stifling North Carolina and their box midfield, you know, so there's, they're, they're reminding you that they're still very, very good clubs. They're just uh, maybe having some more consistent results to start the season than they're used to. So I think it's it's fun to sort of pay attention to what's going on in Orlando right now. We've heard a lot in the past about how they want to really try to establish team culture and establish team chemistry. And we want to keep an eye on that to see how, how tangible that that is, you know, and see if that's going to sustain them for the rest of the season. And then you're going to want to keep an eye on those teams that maybe have typically been top teams, but maybe they're having those kind of slower starts than usual. And it's really interesting to sort of keep an eye on really the table as a whole this year because of how 
the playoffs are expanded. So it's not just so much about trying to be the fourth at the very best. You want to try to be the fourth best team. You can actually net try to navigate this season as best you can and maybe be the sixth best team right. and still get a crack, you know? And I think if you're a team like the spirit, I think if you're a team like Chicago, you know, I think if you're a team like Gotham, if you're, if that's all you have to try to do to get a crack, I think that this, <laughs> that it's, that it, the, the, that the sky's wide open for you. You can, you can, you can go ahead and navigate this long season in the best way you can. You could still get a crack as long as you're number six. You're reminding me of Rory Dames a few weeks back already with the, the underdog comments of keep, Mm. keep telling us we're the eighth and ninth best place team. We'll sneak in the sixth. Which is funny because like, (laughs) no, nobody wrote that. Like, where is that? I would love to. That's what I was going to ask you. I don't know. I, I mean, he said the someone called their midfield slow or something. I don't know who wrote that. I, I have no idea. But I have no idea who wrote that or, or what. But uh, whoever did, I will say that they're not wrong. You, it's not. It's it's not an untrue <laughs> thing. And I'm someone who adores the the Red Stars and will cover them as long as I can. Um, but if we're talking about pacey midfields, you know, I think you can look at maybe like a Houston dash and say, they've, they've got, they've got some speed. And then you can look at a team like Chicago and say, well, well, <laughs> what, what's the, um, I mean, the brief local view, I guess your view, not just local view, your view of where this team's really at. Where's this team finishing? You think? Oh, Chicago's going to the playoffs. Chicago's going to the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to be, uh, I don't know if they're going to be like top three, like they typically been. That's been, the, that's the beautiful thing for me this regular season is it's it's we're we're so early in this season and yet everything is insane it's ridiculous (laughs) it's ridiculous how um how the teams are looking to start to start off uh, this year it's uh having having games that are still typical of nwsl where it's like those narrow score lines of like one zero one one and then yet still having we've got two games already that have like five zero score lines, you know, or three zero, you know, so it's, it's been a mixed bag to mm-hmm. start. Um, and I think it's going to stay that way to be quite honest, all the way through the re- the rest of this season. Um, so I'm not, uh, I'm not saying anything that this team hasn't heard before or has heard their own coach say about them. I remember covering this team. I think it might've been during that 2018 season where they started a new era under Sam Kerr. It was Sam Kerr era and 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 Rory Dames came into post game in a mix zone with us and said his own team was the sixth best team in the league. And this was a, a head coach who had Sam Kerr as his starting forward. You know, so I'm not on your show saying anything that their coach hasn't already said. Um, about themselves so um <laughs> locker room you know, material yeah so i uh yeah chicago's going to the playoffs i feel like there's there's enough there um i feel like there's enough there to where they can get into the playoffs especially now when we're talking about things are expanded to six i don't know if they're going to be one of those top three teams um but i think they could be flirting with four and five for sure okay nice nice well you said basketball head too what's uh what, i mean chicago sky I, i'm sure yeah. right Yo, it's been tough. Let me tell you, it's been tough out here, Jeff. You know, it was a rough start for the Red Stars in the regular season. And then Chicago Sky, they come out really hot and then they lost. They decided to go lose like seven games in a row. But then um, they're coming off. Uh, they're coming off two two wins. And you and I are recording this on a, on a Tuesday evening and they have a game tonight. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I would love to I would love to have some wins. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what I, I want to ask you a little bit too, um, we're talking NWSL, but you know, we just wrapped up Liga MX Femenil season, Tigres beating Chivas in a, a two-leg final. Um, exciting, like crazy goals. You talk about chaos in NWSL. I admittedly, I don't get to watch a lot of full games, but I try to keep tabs. And mm-hmm. every time I pull up a highlight from Mexico, it's like, what? Yep. What happened there? Like, that's a ridiculous goal. And I feel like, I mean, we've seen some of these, these games and those goals scored where the crowd is there to really enhance that and have that environment. So, um, I mean, maybe we'll start with the final. I I know you told me you got some opinions on this final. So Tigres beats Chivas over two legs. I loved it. 
<laughs> I loved it. I mean, I loved it because, um, you know, I think we're watching, I, I think we're witnessing something very special in Liga Mex Feminil and uh, specifically Tigres Feminil, Jeff. Um, you know, Chivas have, uh, you know, built themselves up over time. We're, we're starting to see similar to NWSL where there's a certain amount of teams uh, that sort of are starting to establish kind of a, a winning and competitive culture for themselves. And when it comes to sort of this, uh, whether it's the playoffs in general, but as they start getting whittled down through, through quarterfinals, semifinals, and the finals, we're starting to see certain teams come into play. And it's typically been some combination of Tigres. It's been some combination of Tigres Rayadas in Monterrey or, you know, Tigres Rayadas, Monterrey, Chivas, and Club America has sort of uh, come into play. Uh, at times. So I think we're on the verge of uh, witnessing something very special with, when it comes to this Tigres Feminil side. Um, watching them, both these teams, Chivas and, and Tigres, I think provided a really exciting uh, final, you know, in, in Mexican soccer and like so many soccer countries throughout the globe. Finals are typically determined sometimes by a, a home and an away leg, and that's no different in Liga MX Feminil. Um, and both of these teams provided a, a competitive final. I think the the global the global scoreboard ended up the total aggregate. I think might have been like five three. Five, I can't can't really remember. Somebody out there, feel free to blast me. But um, <laughs> it was still very competitive, and we got to see a lot of exciting soccer from both of these teams. And you know, my initial reaction, you know, watching Tigres Feminil do what they did, you know, they won another championship. It is their fourth championship for Liga MX Feminil in a very it's still very young and growing league but they also went back to back so they won two consecutive in a row and I was like man this is like some very North Carolina Kurds like Paul Riley era-esque type of stuff that we're witnessing here um and I don't think it's being uh you know shown enough love or giving enough recognition or talked about enough um, because I do know that there are a lot of, uh, you know, people trying to provide the coverage for it and they're doing a great job of it. Um, but similar to even what we still find in the American women's soccer landscape, sometimes it's, there's still room for more. Right. Um, and I think my initial reaction after watching them make this run that they made to, to be uh, back-to-back champions, I was like, man, I'm sorry. It is just frankly disrespectful at this point to have, this team right next door in Mexico and not have them be a part of certain regional events within the United States. Name some it's, names. Name I'm going to name names. some names. Let me tell you, Jeff, I don't know if you know this, but there are going to be two mini tournaments happening. Yeah, I've heard United about States. this. In the United States this summer. We've got the ICC going on, right, uh, over in August, and then we've got this new inaugural Women's Cup. Uh, happening and it's going to be exciting we're going to be you and i am sure are going to be doing coverage and paying attention to this stuff and it's it's going to be a very great competitive uh you know event but i just don't understand how there's just not the door is the door just closed or shut how do we open this door jeff how do, what, are, what can we do on the media side to open this door to where a team like Digas Feminil? can be getting, uh, you know, some participation in these types of, uh, in these types of events, hmm. you know, because yeah. I think if I'm, if I'm somebody who is uh, on the side of, you know, decision-making when it comes to finances or money, I would imagine that getting a Mexican soccer team involved in your tournament is going to sell some tickets. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's yeah. just a hunch. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I think there's there's this draw to, okay, PSG, Lyon, you know, Bayern Munich. These are big global club names, but you're right. I mean, especially in the right market, you bring Tigres. I mean, you bring Chivas to the right market. Yeah. You know, that's that's somebody. You know, and I think we're seeing that with the crowds in in Mexico too. Is that you know they've they've come into this idea that this brilliant realization of this very basic idea that these people already support the Jersey and now you're just 
yeah. putting this jersey on a woman instead of a man and like, okay, you're going to turn out for this. And like, yeah, I mean, I hate that other team. So, yeah. you know, England, Europe is discovering that a little bit, but it's there in Mexico. And, you know, we saw that, I mean, I was, I've right. seen some of these crowds that have been so impressive, you know, uh, in Liga MX Femenil. So, you yeah. know, I don't know. I was said last week on NWSL Live, I would love to see uh, Liga MX versus NWSL yeah. All-Star game would love that. event. That would be great. That would be fantastic. I loved what James Clarkson did with Houston Dash. Going down there. And trying, yeah. to, and trying to take the team down there specifically to have that experience, you know, sort of almost kind of being like this, this sort of team building thing for them, you know. Houston Dash has undergone a huge cultural shift and you know, we've got to see that and witness it. And I'm not saying that it happened because they went to, to you know, to, to Mexico and did this, but it's because, you know, they kind of got a coach right now that sort of understands the, you know, importance of that. Um, you know, and it was good to see them go out there. You had an NWSL club going head to head with the US Femenil and it was a great game. I think it ended in a draw, right? It was like a one, one, Draw or, I, or again, someone's gonna put me on blast on this. It's fine. Or think it is, or or think it is beat them. That's fine too. <laughs> That's fine too. But um, it was it was uh, great to see that sort of come to life, and that was the first time that that ever happened. And it sucks because now it's as of right now, it's still the last time that that mm. ever happened. So uh, I would love to see that that change. Um, and it's cool to sort of see these little. These, these small little connections for now, for now. Like, yes, once upon a time, there was this cool game that happened between between Tigres and Houston Dash, you know, a couple years ago. And then now we're just kind of like, I don't know. But so uh, maybe something can happen. You know, maybe that maybe that's the door. I'm talking about where's the door and if it's shut or if it's open. Maybe it's in Texas. Maybe it's with Houston. You know, they brought back, uh, you know, Maria Sanchez to the league. You know, she's she's on a very short term, you know, one month loan with them, you know, but that's that's exciting, you know. And that also, I think, speaks very highly of a team like Houston Dash to, uh, you know, want to take a look at their regional neighbors and, you know, see the investment and see the potential um, in those type of players, you know, because, you know, Mexican players haven't had an easy uh, easy go when it comes to NWSL, Jeff, you know, we see the history, you know, in Mexican and Mexican American players in this league, and it's not super great, you know? Um, so even if we're just centering in on this one player alone with Sanchez, you know, coming off, we're talking about a Mexican international, uh, you know, coming off of a championship run, uh, you know, putting up like seven goals with the team. And, um, you know, it makes you wonder, like, you know, if this is a Swedish player coming off of a championship in Sweden, putting up seven goal, what's the narrative and what's the energy like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it, uh, it bothers me quite frankly, but I've loved that Houston has sort of smashed that a little bit and has uh, really embraced the marketing around this particular player. Who's literally going to be with them for 28 days, <laughs> you know, but it's yeah. great to sort of see them kind of just jump all in uh, together. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. More, more, uh, more collaboration. Well, CONCACAF has promised, I believe it's after the 2023 world cup, a women's champions league. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get Karina LeBlanc on hopefully soon. We'll have to talk a little bit more about that, but I think, you know, I don't know what it would look like. I mean, obviously we all have kind of dream scenarios maybe, but you know, is that, you know, the, the thorns get a lot of, a lot of attention for Providence park, but here's T grace, you know, putting these crowds up. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have to go down there and win a game of meaning? You know, that'd be, that'd be cool. I think it'd be, I really think it'd be a game changer. And I'm a little bit disappointed that part of those changes that CONCACAF announced that include those kind of plans or, you know, again, there's a little bit of evolution, but that the World Cup qualifying event is going to basically be a, a short little tournament. Yeah. You know, I would love to see the U.S. have to go. And I know the hex is kind of gone now, too, on the men's side or, or evolved. But like, I would love to see the U.S. have to go to Azteca to go yeah. to uh, San Jose, Costa Rica, you know, to go to some of these places and. I think that would equalize things a little bit, at least on that road trip, because that's a different kind of experience. And it'd be good for, 
I'm sure it'd be good for, you know, that market too, to be like, heck, the U S is in town. Like let's get behind Costa Rica. Let's get behind the Ticas. Let's get behind Mexico. And yeah, absolutely. uh, That'd be cool to see. We are all that we've heard all the time, you know, over these last, you know, couple cycles, how part of, you know, preparing and preparations for the U S women's national team is to make sure that they're put in environments where maybe they won't be well, well received. And we've started to see some, some Europe, European friendlies happen a little bit more regularly for this team over the last cycle. But it's like, you want to face some adversity, man, go take them to Mexico. <laughs> and let's find out how they're received there. You know, 11 years ago, they went to Mexico for world cup qualifying number one team okay. in the world and ended up having to be the last team to qualify for the world cup because of that, <laughs> that big upset. Abby Wambach with the staple in the head. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a good time. Let's see. We want to see more of it. Yeah. I want to see that. So what, Somebody's listening right now. I mean, I feel like probably a lot of listeners on this are, are watching NWSL already. You know, they're watching U.S. Women's National Team. What is what is your sales pitch? Is it chaos too for for Liga MX Femenil? Like, you need to be watching this. There's a, there's a game of the week usually on on TUDN on Mondays, yeah. usually in the U.S. But what's your sales pitch? Like, you need to be watching this right now. My sales pitch for Liga MX Femenil is for the hardcore fan and the casual fan to try to tune in to a Liga MX Feminil match. If they can't find a regular match, a regular season match, try to tune in during, um, you know, the playoffs as well, because those sometimes tend to be a little bit more readily available with TV rights and stuff like that. I've noticed that a lot of those matches uh, have become available on Ciudadana USA. So even if it's just via their app, because find a game, because you will find, Things that happen in Liga MX Feminil that do not happen in NWSL. What kind of things? You're leaving us hanging there. Oh, no, you don't want to tell you gotta us. Go, you got to go find out. <laughs> look, okay. look, you got to go check the highlights. You can find, you can find a banger. You can find, a, you can find bangers from defenders. And I'm not talking about like a striker, uh, you know, going in and making a cut and then shooting it with her left foot. I'm talking about an outside back kicking it from 45 yards out and chipping a keeper. I'm talking about, uh, you know, championship return legs or away legs, uh, you know, coming down to, to equalizers in, in the 90th minute and then go having to go to penalty kicks. You're finding all of that kind of stuff with Liga MX Feminino. And that's stuff that we really haven't seen too often in NWSL. Yeah. Now I need to, I need to get on that myself of watching more. I made a, it's like Australia too. Australia, I can't do it the time zones, but I was, I've tried to make it to myself to at least try to watch that weekly game. Um, and it was, it was seven, four aggregate. I was, I had to look that up for us to confirm that uh, Tigres beat Chivas seven, four and aggregate five, three in the mm-hmm. second leg, which was five, three in the second leg. Thank you. Was, uh, I think there were three goals in stoppage time of the second half stoppage time, which the game was kind of over by them, but it just, added chaos um yeah well i I don't want to run us too long so maybe we can talk just briefly um on something that you just touched on a a few minutes ago and i want to ask you about maybe wrapping into um, the final two games for the u.s before the olympics here against mexico right down the road from me here I'm, i'm happy to finally get back to a stadium and see those but um i think maybe tying that into you know you've written about um appreciation or lack thereof for, for Mexican players in the U S um, maybe just the challenges that they've faced. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see some players of, of, you know, plenty of talent on this Mexico roster when they come to the U S but um, I guess, you know, the, the easy one, who's some, somebody or, or a couple players that maybe people aren't used to um, that are putting on the, the Mexico Jersey that maybe they should be, keeping an eye on as we come into another, you know, a new world cup cycle. And, um, you know, I guess too, like, what is it for you that, that needs to be that, that eye opener for teams maybe that aren't Houston, as you said, um, to, to kind of see, Hey, this is a talented player that needs to be in one of the best leagues in the world. Oh man. Ending on a tough one. I know. I'm like, that's a lengthy one, Jeff. I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to, let's break Let's Okay. So let's break it down. So first, um, I'm excited for the, the, the send-off games um, between the United States and Mexico. Um, I think the last time I covered a Mexico-U.S. game was when they played in Houston, <laughs> which was maybe a couple few years ago. Um, 
And I remember seeing a really good crowd for these games in Houston and sort of seeing how, how many of them just came out just because the Mexican women's national team was in town. One of my favorite things that came out of that game was, you know, you had to navigate the stadium a certain kind of way when you go and do post-game mix zones. <clears throat> but making your way sort of through the stands and, and seeing players like, uh, you know, Cecilia Santiago, who's a goal, who's been the goalkeeper for the Mexican women's national team for many years, you know, people came with jerseys to get autographs from these players. So it was great to sort of see how it wasn't just like United States players that were getting a lot of love. It was a lot of Mexican national team players who were getting a lot of love too. I'm not too sure how the demographics are going to look in Connecticut and how <laughs> this kind of team is going to get received out there, but we'll see. You'll let me know you're going to be covering. <laughs> so you'll, you'll let me know that, but um, I want more of it. Always. I, I think what again, we're talking about reactions, but you know, we saw that wild, you know, CONCACAF Nations League final that took place against the, the, the men's US national team and the men's Mexican national team and how crazy it was. And I think my reaction from that was like, man, I want I want this for like the women's game. And people completely like naturally on Twitter, people completely misinterpret that like, oh, why would you want to see fights? And I'm like, I don't want to see fights, man. I want to see more events and I want to see more competitive fixtures for the region. That's what I want. So yes, this is a farewell. This is a, a couple of farewell matches for the United States women's national team. And the score lines are probably going to look a certain kind of way before they head off to the Olympics against Mexico. But Mexico is a federation and a national team that are also in a very transitional moment themselves. Um, we're talking about a team that has historically maybe sort of been forgotten about, like we hear from so many Latin American women's national teams um, appointing somebody like Monica Vergara to their head coach position, I think has been huge for them. Uh, she is someone who sort of, you know, risen in the ranks over the last few years. And I think it was a smart decision. Uh, my concern with that was that I didn't want her to be appointed in that position and then not be supported. Uh, but it looks like, and feels like that is different at this time. I mean, this team has already participated in international windows more than I would have expected them to in prior years. So while they had, they just came off some, a game against Japan. And before that they faced off against Spain. And then before that, I think it was uh, Czech or Slovakia. And then before, and then before that it was Costa Rica. So they were already getting together and getting games. And that's so important when you're trying to develop, you know, team dynamics and team culture, just even having those experiences of, of traveling together and training together and competing together and what that can do for your team. Um, so I'm very excited for these send-off matches. Uh, the, the rosters haven't been announced yet, but just looking at the, the previous rosters against Japan, you know, it was a good, it was a good mix. Yes. They're more Liga MX feminine dominated when it comes to the players who are getting involved into these national team camps, but there's still a good mix of players who are currently overseas in Europe, whether, you know, some, somebody like a Katie Robles coming to, into play, you know, or a Karina, uh, you know, Palacios is coming into play um, or players who are heavily connected to, you know, American collegiate systems uh, who are, you know, got called, got called into these games, you know, Emily Alvarado, I think, you know, getting some time. We saw, you know, Jimena Lopez, you know, get some time um, in this game against Japan recently. And she got drafted by OL Reign and recently signed through 2023 with them, you know, so she came up with the, you know, with Texas A&M. So there's, there's a lot of fun connections on this Mexican women's national team that people can try to relate to or connect with if they're looking for those common threads. Um, when it comes to, to the, the, these players specifically and maybe um, their roles or, or lack of uh, lack of respect that I <laughs> you hear me like talk about, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of a combination of things. I, I, um, I think Mexican players are, are built a certain kind of way. And um, I think that it's a combination of them, um, you know, learning a certain skill set to a certain point. And then I also think it's a combination of NWSL coaches just not knowing what to do with these players. Um, I'll be frank. Uh, you know, we, we see, we've seen Latin players come into this league and, uh, you know, be able to do what they can do. But you have, you look at somebody like, like a Rocky Rodriguez, Costa Rican international, but somebody who is, who had strong ties to, to Penn state 
and was drafted in the in the first round for for then Sky Blue, and we've seen her journey thus far. And then looking at somebody like a like a Davinia, and watching how she came under Paul Riley's system, and seeing this player do what she's doing. So I really do think it is a, a it's a combination, Jeff. For me, it's a combination of you have to sort of do the scouting. You got to do the work. <laughs> you got to do the scouting. Got to do the work. And you got to get the right player, right? Uh, but you also got to be the kind of coach that you're going to, if you're going to do this scouting, I mean, you got to make that commitment and see if this player is going to fit. I mean, I don't know if you and I could say that if you asked us five years ago, there's going to be a Brazilian in the league and she's going to be one of the most prolific playmakers, but she's also going to be a hell of a defender. We probably would have been like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> and the is doing all of that. Mm-hmm. for North, North Carolina courage, you know? Um, so it, I think it's just a, it's, it's a combination of those things. Um, and, uh, my hope is that, you know, you know, I want to see somebody like Maria Sanchez succeed, even if it is for 28 days with Houston Dash. And I want to see somebody like Jimena Lopez be able to, to come in and, um, maybe get a little bit of coaching and get a little bit of nurturing. And, um, you know, I would love to see, you know, uh, a bit of mentorship happening between her and and Steph Cox and seeing what's going to happen out of there. You know, that's a, that's something that I'm going to be trying to pay attention to uh, out of oil range. So um, we'll see, we'll see. I don't, uh, I think there's a, there's a lot there. Um, I I think that there's a lot of players, uh, you know, coming out of these collegiate systems that need to, you know, sort of be taken a close, have a closer eye on and maybe be given a, you know, a fair shot and a fair opportunity. Uh, in this league. And I, my hope is that with, uh, with expansion, with expansion in this league, there will be room for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mexican Federation, uh, you know, shouldn't be forgotten a founding member of NWSL with, with Canada soccer and U S soccer Federation. And, uh, that ended after, after a few years with, uh, FMF basically saying, you know, we don't feel like our players are actually getting anything out of this because they're not being played. So, um, that, that, left the U S and Canada ever, ever since. So, um, but interested to, to see what happens. Definitely, you know, Jill Ellis, um, I think she was prompted and asked about it, but, you know, mentioned how close San Diego is this new San Diego team to, to the border and um, maybe tapping into that market a little bit. I think she said she's been in touch with Liga um, MX Femenile. She used the term commissioner, but I don't think, I don't know if that's the right term, but um, been in touch with some leadership at the MX Femenile and, um, you know, interested to, to see. And I think we should be seeing Mexico at the 2023 World Cup expanded 32 team field. I would think um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So yeah. um, I'm sure we could talk about this for, for much longer, but um, I appreciate you uh, coming on. What's, uh, I don't know, get out to, to Chicago folks and, and maybe the, the world is opening up again. You, you see Sandra at a at a Red Stars game, um, find her on CBS, cbssports.com, CBS Sports HQ, podcast coming soon, Southside Trap podcast, keep going. I don't know, I'm out of things. But, uh, I love it. It's a lovely it's a lovely intro and a lovely outro. So, well, Sandra, thank you for coming on Kick It Back. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for listening to Kick It Back, a podcast brought to you by The Equalizer and now with Blue Wire Podcasts. If you missed any of our great interviews from the past or you don't want to miss anything going forward, and I promise you that you don't, please subscribe on any platform you're listening. Please go ahead and rate and review our podcast. It really does help with visibility. That's that for this episode. We'll be back soon with another great guest from the world of women's soccer.